I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 9 in a few moments. If you have a Bible and would like to turn there, please do so. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you. Uh, by way of reminder, there is a ladies' worship event this coming Saturday at 7 p.m. outdoors under the tent in the back of the church here. And if you'd like to come, ladies, please, please do so. Bring a plate of goodies to share, and there's no need to sign up. Uh, just come, that's this coming Saturday at 7 p.m. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. After describing the narrative or giving the narrative of the conversion of the Apostle Paul, this is later on in the book of Acts where Luke uses these words to describe the church in its infancy. Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria, had peace and was being built up. Wouldn't you love to be a part of a church that had peace and was being built up? Me too. And I think these next words are significant to that end. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And I want to emphasize these two simple concepts this morning. And the church in its infancy is still relevant for the church of today. That in order to experience the, the, the peace of God and being built up by God, it comes through the fear of the Lord. And it comes through the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Do, do you know what those two things mean? The gospel in the people of the church the gospel has been received by them, proclaimed to them. They're believing the gospel, but the gospel hasn't diminished the fear of God. It's only increased the fear of God because not only are they aware that, that God who made everything and made them now also has purchased them and they belong to God, but the God whom they fear loves them, which is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And those are, from its infancy, the way that the church has made its way. And it leads to those some penetrating questions for us. As you walk in life, as we walk in life, what influences you more than anything else? What comforts you more than anything else? I continue to give thanks for the opportunity that God has given us over these past two years in the midst of adversity to be refined. Refined. <laughs> we have had adversity. We've had difficult things that we've gone through these last two years, but the perspective I believe that we should have as God's people, that God has used adversity to serve his purposes and his ends for us the objects of, of his purposes in order to refine us. Refining is a God-given gift because we can unconsciously and unintentionally, we can fall into ruts, we can fall into paths, we can fall into patterns that don't necessarily reflect our true identity, our, 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 our true being as the church of Jesus Christ, as, our, as God's people. And so there's, 
there, there's a need to give, to give thanks to the Lord for the adversity that we face in order that God would do his refining work in the midst of us. And these words of Luke about fearing the Lord, the words of Luke about experiencing the comfort of the Spirit, describing the church in its infancy and how it thrived, I believe represent very well biblical patterns from which we can often lapse. And we need God's work of awakening through that adversity. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says this, for the moment all discipline seems painful. And it does. Nobody says, wow, isn't it great that we're going through these things? Isn't it great that I'm experiencing pain? It seems awful. And yet, this is the biblical perspective on suffering and adversity and on pain. It seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. There's a yield of adversity. There's there's a harvest that God has for adversity. And I'm looking for the harvest, for the adversity that we've gone through, for the challenges that we've gone through. I'm looking for the harvest that God intends through the adversity that we've gone through, the fruit of righteousness to those that have been trained by it. What an amazing perspective on our, our circumstances. Not that, oh, poor us, look at the adversity we're going through, but rather we're being trained by God. This is really simple stuff. As Luke describes the church, for the people of the church, as he describes it, that what influenced them more than anything else. Think about it for a moment. What, what bears influence upon the church? What brings its weight and says, you need to be like this. You need to think like this. You need to talk like this. You need, you need to act like this. Think of, of all of the things that bear pressure upon the people of Jesus Christ. And Luke in these so simple words addresses that and says they were walking in the fear of the Lord. In other words, what they, what they cared most about is what does God think about how we think, about how we walk, about how we live? And the comfort. What comforts us more than, than anything else? But the work of the Spirit pouring the love of God out upon us. This is how the church from ancient times has made its way in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It's what the gathering of God's people is all about. I, I hope that as you came in this morning that you were awakened to something of God's greatness, of his unimaginable power. I hope you became conscious of the fact that you are the creature and not the creator and that when you came to the table, you came with a sense of reverence for a God who is so great and so vast and so powerful and so holy. He could squish us like a bug and he would do so justly. And yet you, you eat the elements and that, that God that is so, so worthy of, of that respect and fear, yet comforts us at the same time to eat the elements and say, that's the God who has forgiven me. That's the God who loves me. 
That's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They're penetrating questions. We can't help but being influenced. All of us face pressures in life. All of us seek comfort in life. Who do you care most about what they might think about you, about your life? That's a penetrating question. It's a reality that as we walk through life, it's, 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 we, we think about what other people think. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a snare. In other words, thinking about what do people think? And it might change hour by hour. <laughs> what would my coworkers think of me as a Christian? They're so cynical. They've been so burned by religion. What would my neighbor think who is an atheist, who determined to believe that there is no God and here I am believing in heaven and hell. What would my boss think who is a godless person, has no regard for God? What would my godly grandmother think? What would my legalistic father have thought? What would my, my gay sibling think of this? What would my peer group think of this? What would my hedonistic friends think of this? And what Luke describes filling the church is a concern above all for, for what God thinks. And he has not kept his thoughts hidden from us. He's spoken plainly about what he thinks. It's not a secret. Same with what comforts us in walking in life. It's so easy to be comforted or seek comfort in what God has made rather than in God himself, right? That's the bottom line of idolatry. And we think, oh, if I only had this, or if I only had that, or if I only didn't have this, or if I only didn't have him, if I only didn't have her, then I'd be comforted. Then, then I would be content. But Luke describes comfort, the comfort of God's people, as an experience of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit like that? Do you know the comfort of the Holy Spirit? I find the choice of words here that Luke uses really, really interesting and really helpful. Of all of the, the, the words that would have been in, in Luke's lexical grasp there at the infancy of the church of grace and truth and mercy and unity and, and all, all of the words that he could have used about the church having peace and being built up. He chose those words in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, they're, they're really foundational ideas that all that the apostles would go on to, to talk about in, in instructing the church in how to live as Christians, how to think as, 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 as Christians, how to be as parents and as children, as husbands and wives and mothers and slaves and fathers, all of that is really talking about what does it look like to fear the Lord? What does it look like to have regard for God above all else? 
and all that the epistles would go on to talk about, about the, the ways that the Holy Spirit takes the truths of God, the, the love of God, the adoption of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God that abounds. That's, it's really summed up in the words, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the church today, I don't know, we, we, we might use, how would you describe, how does the church thrive? What words would you use? We might even use words that Luke wouldn't even known about. <laughs> you know, the church thriving by its organizational structures and by its programs. By its what? Paul and I get emails inviting us to sing as pastors and you know what, we don't even understand them. Make us feel, make me feel really stupid. I, I have no idea what they're talking about. And we long for that if, if, if people want to train us, and, and we're humble enough to admit we need training, we need mentoring, we, we need help, we need prayer. But would you please use the scriptures? Would you please open the Bible and say, leaders of God's people, this is the path for us. If you, if you pray for us, would you please pray that we would fear God, that we would never lose the fear of God, that we would, we would only ever consider ultimately and most high, what does God think about us and what we do? And that we in our own lives would know something of the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that we would believe and understand and experience all that we talk about and that if we have any influence in the church, if we have any leadership skills whatsoever, that more people would come to fear God and that people would know more of the comfort of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's a, it's a tremendous thing. May God help us and refine us that we would all have these two things in common. Here's the main point that I'd like to get across. If you don't take anything else home today, please, I'd like you to get this. If the church is unique, it's different. And sometimes we can lose our path. Sometimes we can fall into habits and patterns that, that, that aren't, isn't congruent with if we open the Bible and say, well, who are the people of God and how do they make their way? The church has a unique identity and a unique way of making its way in the world that's unlike anything else and it's by the fear of the Lord and by the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Let me speak briefly of the fear of the Lord and what it is. It's, it's a submission to God. It's a, a love for what God loves. It's a, it's a separation from and a abstaining from what God does not like. And that's what it looks like. But where does it come from? Where does the fear of God, what, well, how does it arise in our lives? And we, we most naturally fear things that we don't understand, that are beyond our comprehension or beyond our ability to control. We have, we have a natural respect for things, like, like being out in, in the ocean in a tiny little boat and being on something that is so incomprehensibly great so unfathomably big and had the power to crush us if it would choose to whip up and do so. And there are things about God that are like that, that, that will forever be incomprehensibly great to us. 
And those things are this, that God is the creator of all things. And by extension of him being creator, he is owner of all things. But that's an incomprehensible greatness to us that the Lord simply said, let there be. And there was. The other thing about God that makes him so incomprehensibly great and different from us, that we stand in awe of him, is his holiness. We can't comprehend something that is so morally perfect that has no possibility of ever being defiled or being impure ever in any way. Those two things underpin all of the fear of God, that God made us. We belong to him. So when we come to the table, as I said earlier, we come as his creatures, submitting ourselves to, a, to him and humbly acknowledging that, as Psalm 139 says, you fashioned me. You made me in my mother's womb. And that transforms our identity. That transforms our understanding of who we belong to. But it also helps us to understand God's commands with regards to other people. The person sitting beside you, the one that God calls you to love, the people who live beside you, the people that God has, all the people that God has called you to serve, God made them. They belong to God. And it's, it, 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 it underpins everything that has to do with the fear of God, that, that God is the creator, not the creature, and that God is holy and we are not. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is this, our common comfort that the Holy Spirit gives to us and this is critical. Please don't try to fear God without the comfort of the Spirit. These two things have to go together. The many who set out to, yes, that's what Christian faith and religion is all about, the fear of God. And without the comfort of the Holy Spirit, without the love of God being poured into our hearts, without comprehending the mercy of God and being comforted by the Spirit, the fear of God can become legalistic it can become self-righteous and it can fail to do the things that it actually is, is designed by God to do, which is to create a community where God's people thrive by wisdom. But the comfort of the Holy Spirit is simply this, that the God who made all things, that one who is beyond our comprehension in his greatness and his power and his ownership of all things has called us his beloved. See, the gospel doesn't change God. The gospel makes us safe in the God who never changes. That's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. God has made a way for us to call the creator of the universe our Father. He has adopted us as his children. And the God who is holy, the God who lives in absolute perfection, has removed our guilt from us. So this is how the comfort of the Holy Spirit works. In all the circumstances of life, he takes Jesus and he sets him in front of us. 
as our Savior. And all that alienates us from God is removed. I so appreciated Paul, Pastor Paul earlier speaking about the sins that God has removed, but we can't. <laughs> I think about my sins all the time. They haunt me sometimes. A foolishness. Words I've said. But the comfort of the Holy Spirit. is that even in all of God's holiness, that holiness is not a threat to us in the gospel, but rather by the comfort of the Spirit, that holiness is a great hope that God will only ever, ever act towards us in a way that is perfect. He's morally perfect and without defilement. And we are his children. It is a tremendous comfort.